0: Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women, their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine DeGustino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org.
1: And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on sayitforward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. Today, we are excited to welcome Dr. Shruti Kapoor joining us from Brooklyn, New York. Shruti was born and raised in India and In her professional life, she is founder of an India-based nonprofit called Safety Trust, working with women and girls addressing gender-based violence. She is an economist by training, and importantly, she is a mother of a six-year-old daughter. Welcome, Shruti. We are so glad to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much, Yodit and Sharon, for having me on today's podcast. I've been following it for a while, and I'm really, really honored and excited to be here with both of you.
0: Thank you, and we are honored and excited to be talking with you. My first question is about how you became so passionate and activated to make a difference for women's and girls' safety.
2: Being a girl in, you know, an Indian family was an experience, has always been an experience, if you ask um, any of the girls who grew up in India. There's a lot of patriarchal norms in the Indian society where preference is usually and often given to the boys or the men of the family. That's what we see in our homes. that's what we see in our culture. That's what we see in, um, in our movies, in the media that we consume. And so as a young girl, you know I was I was also consuming the same media. And I would often see um, in a lot of Bollywood movies, you know, women would be mistreated or women would not have equal rights. So from a very, very young age, I think this notion of equality stuck in my head. You know, I was very vocal and I would constantly fight with my, I remember with my grandmother. So I have a younger brother and I would fight with her saying that, we will get equal rights for everything, right? Whatever he gets, I get. And I'm talking about at a very young age because somehow it stuck with me that as a woman or a girl, I would automatically get less because of the conditioning. Uh, luckily for me, you know, my, my family, my parents have been such that it never happened like that. Being the firstborn, i was given all the opportunities that i wanted i you know i was always encouraged to study and do whatever it is that i wanted to do i could see how around me women and girls are disadvantaged in some way there are a lot of gender stereotypes that hold us back and that we are conditioned to and so unknowingly uh, we just you know start performing those roles because that's what has been handed down to us from generations. Uh, I grew up with a lot of that. And so when I moved to the US in my early 20s, this seemed like a different world in terms of how women are treated here, in terms of what women were doing, their conditioning, their uh, freedom. It, it is those experiences both in India and in the US that really made me more passionate about issues that women and girls face, and especially those about you know, the issues that women and girls back home face, because I could see what is happening here versus what is happening there. Um, You know, women and girls here could, could freely go out and, and pursue an education. Whereas a lot of women and girls in India don't have that option or that marriage is a priority or, you know, and having experienced those levels of freedom and those choices here, I think I became very passionate about and very vocal about these issues. And I I felt like I have a responsibility to speak up and to raise awareness around these issues more because A, I'm interested. I was, I've, I've been in that place. I know what that does to you. And also because I have an opportunity to see things differently now. I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I, and I love, love like talking about it and working on these issues it's something that I also, like during my PhD, also, I remember a lot of my research was on, you know, women, women, women in India, women in Mexico. Um, so I've always been very
1: passionate about women's issues and rights. Well, Shruti, so what, what inspired your, your move to the United States and, and how did your family react to that?
2: I was finishing up my bachelor's degree from Mumbai, my uncle, who was, uh, he's no longer with us now. He was a professor at University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. and He had a big hand in bringing a lot of us children, me and my cousins, to the U.S. And so when he realized that I was graduating and, you know, he really pushed me and encouraged me to apply for a master's here. And in fact, he played a huge role, instrumental role in like going and talking to the university. And so it was a very, very last minute attempt on our part. And I was like, okay, you know, I I was literally graduating in April and I had plans to do an MBA in India. And he said, no, let's try, you know, let's try to apply for a master's uh, degree here in Milwaukee. And he went and talked to the department and I I got admission, I got scholarship, uh, I got my visa all in a matter of like two months, like completely unplanned. And the next thing I knew was in August of I think 2000. I was sitting on that plane uh, for a straight flight from you know New Delhi to Chicago. And once I moved here is when I made a decision to stay here. Before that, I never had any plans of coming. Like how some some kids are aspirational and they want to go study to, you know in the U.S. or outside. I never had any of those mm. uh, aspirations. So it was just I would say by chance. And something that was destined.
0: Tell us about that transition from New Delhi to Chicago.
2: It was the first time I was sitting on an aeroplane. I had traveled a lot in India, but it was mostly through trains and cars. Flights were not that popular, and the ones that were were expensive, so we could never afford it. I clearly remember it was one of those huge planes uh, from Frankfurt, and I was enamored. Like, I didn't even know how to put on my (laughs) seatbelt. I had to (laughs) figure it out. And, you know, I grew up in a small town called uh, in the city of Kanpur. It's an industrial town. It's a smaller town. So, you know, not as progressive as a bigger town like Delhi or Bombay. The, The good thing, though, was that I went to Bombay to do my bachelor's. So that exposed me to a bigger city and that in itself was a big adjustment Come, you know a girl coming from a small town who had led a sheltered life then living all by herself in a hostel in bombay which is mm-hmm. almost you know it's it's like new york city and so that was a big adjustment and then from bombay straight coming to the us was another big adjustment because there's so many things that i had never been exposed to i had never I didn't know how to use an ATM card. I'd I'd never had a cell phone before that in my life. Um, You know, like just something as simple as what is a bagel? My cousin introduced (laughs) me to a bagel. It was just all very new, right? Um, And I, I think I'm really grateful to my aunt and uncle for supporting me in the best way they could because I think that really helped make that transition easier for me. So here I was like in Milwaukee, you know, a place that gets extremely cold and there's winter, you know, and there's snow. And I had never experienced that in my life. Like there's no snow there's, you know, in, in the city I grew up in and so trudging through snowstorms and it getting dark at 4 PM was, was all like a new experience for me. So I think the first year was hard because, you know, you come from India where everybody is a friend and there's so many people and like you know, making friends is not difficult at all. And then I come to Milwaukee, where uh, in my batch, I remember in my master's program, I was the only Indian, most people were American. So that was, you know, it was harder to make friends, there was a disconnect. I came in August, and it was my birthday in September. And I remember the whole day went by. And I'm not the kind who'll say it's my birthday, wish me. Mm -hmm. So the whole day went by, nobody wished me. You know, so those were all like things like I I had never experienced, and so I think it was a unique experience just just to be in this country and and to learn things from scratch and to learn it over
1: time with patience and in your own way. You know, outside of your uncle's support and helping you navigate, you know what. What else did you find discomfort in? Because I can't imagine being alone, um, you know, again. Yeah, it, I think the biggest discomfort for me was I didn't know how to drive
2: then. I had just received my, you know, just before leaving India, I had I'd received my license, but I never got an opportunity to uh, drive and practice. And I, I had learned on a stick shift And then when I moved to the U.S., especially to a place like Milwaukee, where you can't survive without a car, um, you know, I I didn't know how to drive. I didn't have a car. I think that was really challenging, Um, like just to do some like simple things like doing grocery became challenging, right? Like, especially in the winter, uh, taking a bus and requesting people. I was not very mobile in the sense like I just couldn't get up and go. I I remember very clearly because I would have to depend on people. I would have to depend on my uncle or my aunt to come and pick me, drop me, to take me to places, my cousin to take me to the mall. And it just felt like my freedom was restricted in some way. Not, I wouldn't say completely, but in some ways. And that Mm -hmm. was a frustrating experience for me. Um, Other than that, I think just, you know, I was used to being away from the family. but. Calls in those times were really expensive. So I could talk to my parents only like once a week, like one of those very quick calls because it was expensive and I didn't have enough money. Um, Luckily at that time, email, hotmail had just been introduced. So I remember using that or writing, you know, like letters to my mother, which was interesting because by the time it would reach her two weeks later, things had changed. And by the time (laughs) I would get her reply, things had changed again. (laughs)
1: Have you been back to India and, and, and oh yes, because I can't imagine. I mean, I'm Ethiopian, I've not gone back to Ethiopia, but I can't imagine having lived here way longer than than when I was in Ethiopia, but going back and then knowing how different it is and just how I perceive things. And so what was your experience when you first went back? I
2: think over time, my obviously my views have been shaped by you know culture here and i don't want to paint a picture like women in india are like all trapped and they don't have their freedoms and it's a miserable story for them that's not what it is but there are plenty who don't have choices and who don't have the freedom i've become a lot more calmer and i pick my battles now Mm -hmm. Um, i don't want to expend my energy on every small detail but But I do a lot of it through the organization now, like through safety, right? So I'm very vocal um, and I use that platform and my work uh, to talk about those differences or how to empower women or how, you know, what changes can be brought rather than constantly being in this fighter mode when I go back. Um, Mm -hmm. On a personal level, I push back a lot like, you know, till this date, my dad likes to tell me what to wear, what not to wear, what would look good. And like, don't go out late in the night. When are you coming back? And I push back, like, I I keep reminding him that I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm a mother. I'm, I am
1: I can manage things on my own. So, you know, Shruti, just hearing your story, it's evident that, you know, for you, even at a young age, you've recognized your own voice. How would you encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? There are many, many ways of
2: finding your voice. You know, somebody can find their voice through writing. Somebody can find their voice through speaking. Others might find their voice voice through their art. Others, you know, some might find their voice through music. So what I would say to women and girls who are listening is don't get Um, hung on only one way to find your voice you know you might be passionate about something and use that something to find your voice to express yourself because our voice is only really to express ourselves and say the things that we want to say and there are many ways of saying things right so if you're somebody who loves art then maybe find your voice through art and confidence is something that can be built it's like a muscle, right? We might not have it right now, but if we work on it, we can build the confidence. We might be scared to speak up, but if we make an intention to find our voice, then I think with patience, with love, with self-love and with care, we can build that voice that that we want. Um, So I would just say, don't give up. Uh, Don't get disillusioned. If you don't, if you feel like you don't have, everybody has a voice. It's just about slowly building that confidence to trust your voice. And that comes, you know, that comes with a lot of self-love and, and and with time. So keep at it.
1: I love that. I I love just the reminder that there is not one way of finding your voice. And it's not like yeah. you have to be on some platform speaking. So thank you, Shuji. Thank you so much for this time. We've enjoyed just getting to hear more of your story um, and just so inspired by your passion and the work that you do. So thank you again for making the time. And again, always to our listeners, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast.
2: Thank you so much again for giving me the space and the opportunity to share
0: my story. Thank you so much, Shruti. This has been an inspiration. (laughs) Thank you, Yodit, always for this work that we do together on sayitforward.org and this podcast. And also we send out thanks to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you all so very much. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino.
1: And Yodit Kifle-Smith, signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we wanna remind you of the power of your story.